everybody, welcome back to the MLB Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Chick, and I'm joined today by my partner, Will McGuffey. And today we're really excited for this conversation because we get to interview somebody that can actually impact where you guys get drafted. Um, please welcome to the show, the Toronto Blue Jays Midwest cross-checker, CJ Ebarb. CJ, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, thank you. You know, the, our goal here at AWM is really just to provide you guys, the, the draft guys, information that, you know, at the end of the day, they can't Google. Uh, this is really unique information that we're trying to provide them. And so, um, you know, I, I thought where we'd kick off the conversation is really just kind of your background, you know, where you're from, how how you got into scouting, and then kind of give a breakdown of the different levels of scouts and, and what that kind of means to the players. Sure. So, um, you know, I grew up in Jasper. Jasper, Texas, um, played played college baseball at Southern Nevada, UNLV, and then finished up at Lamar. Was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Blue Jays as a senior sign, and I've been with the Blue Jays since 2006 as a player and a player coach one year, and then got uh, did the area in South Texas, South Louisiana, 2011, then went on the pro side for – 2012 and 2013 and then I've been cross-checking the Midwest uh since draft of 2014 so you know just um fortunate to be with the Blue Jays they've they've been great you know we've uh we've been lucky enough to acquire some good players out of the Midwest and I'm excited about so yeah things have things have been pretty good well, that's cool. You know, it's funny when Will told me that CJ Ebar was going to be joining our show, I started thinking, I'm like, I know, I know that name. Um, and so, of course, preparing for the show, I went back and dug a little bit. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, when I was in high school, I played for White House High School and we would come down uh, and get our butts kicked in the Jasper tournament every year. So uh, thanks for that. I remember the name from there. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's fun. You know, it kind of makes me start thinking through some of the just the nuances that you guys as, as scouts and then as cross checkers go through, um, you know, back when you and I were playing in Jasper and White House, you know, it's probably a lot different because we didn't have the perfect games as much and we didn't have all the access on Twitter and Instagram and, and, and all that. And so um, the game has certainly evolved a ton, especially for the scouting department and from my perspective. Um, so what, you know, one of the things that Will and I were talking about kind of coming into the show is, you know, the mock drafts, the draft boards and, and all of this stuff that we see. And, and one of the points that he made that I thought was really interesting that I'd love for you to hit on is, you know, there's probably a hundred names that at the end of the day have been selected in the mock draft as a potential first round pick. So what stock would you put into that as somebody that can actually impact where these guys get drafted? Uh, so the mock drafts from for, for me personally are just more of like, hey, it's a name. You know, there's a good chance, you know, that these top 100 mocks, every everyone in our organization from a scouting standpoint has probably seen them. Uh, but to me, it's just a name. And, you know, where that publication decides to rank, rank that player, like that's their, their opinion. But, you know, for us, like the Blue Jays, we have our own, you know, process and philosophy of how wish that we're going to rank that player. And what, you know, CJ, you know, for those people out there, what does the spring look like? What is the spring as far as if I'm a player and I see somebody with the Toronto Blue Jays come out and watch me, you know, what are the different levels of scouts? What's, what, who is going to possibly come out and watch me play? 
and what does it mean when an area scout comes and sees me or what does it mean when you as a, a cross checker comes and see me or somebody else in the organization can you kind of explain that process to us yeah for sure so it'll it will it will start with the area scout he's like the first line of defense i call it so you know the area scout writes a follow on the player and you know he puts them in a certain round round range or like a roll grade range and then depending on where they put that player depends on if and when I see them, you know, the higher the higher players on their pref list or their rankings, you know, there's an urgency. There's an urgency for me to get there sooner just to kind of get the balls rolling and get the get it started to pass the baton to the next guy who is, you know, like our national guy who kind of has a better indication of the talent around the country. And then obviously, you know, now these days you have the scouting director that'll get out and see players you have, you know, special assistants from different clubs that are probably honing in on, you know, 25 to maybe 50 guys, uh, you know, trying to hone in on maybe your potential first overall pick. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the process. And then like in the spring, I mean, you know, I'll try to get to workouts early in the year just to see guys where they're at, if they're ready to go, if they're healthy. Um, a lot of my work is done in the summer, like summer to, to me for the area guy and the regional guys is huge. That's where we develop that history. We develop that process of how they do things, whether it's a guy on the mound, whether it's a guy, whether it's a position player with, you know, approach concerns or, you know, defensive position concerns. Like we have a pretty good idea going into the spring or, or I hope that that going into the spring that we can narrow our questions on the player so that in the spring we can sit back and watch them and get those answered. And by the time the draft rolls around, we're really convicted on what we believe this player is going to be and what he can do. And then it's about making sure that, you know, we have the appropriate information to take them in the appropriate spot. Do you think there's an organizational philosophy that y'all that y'all look for certain types of players, or does that vary from organization to organization? There's, you know, a, a blue jay blue jay type of player, um, certain traits that y'all say, hey, look, we really value our player development system, and these are the guys that that we really like to look at and, and put in our system and, and, and mold and shape in their professional career. I th- I think there's probably traits in like the person and the makeup and you know the the work ethic. I don't know that there's like a certain player, right? I, I I just think if you pigeonhole yourself into like, hey, this is our type of player, you know, whether it's college pitcher, college position player, high school pitcher, high school position player, I think you end up maybe missing out on some good things. But I do think we value, you know, especially myself, like I have my own values and players that I that I elevate or that I like that I maybe I push forward a little bit more and that's just, you know, I want to know their backgrounds. I want to know their work ethic. I want to know, you know, just everything about them to ensure that, you know, that I'm comfortable, you know, uh, you know, acquiring this player or recommending him to the Blue Jays for sure. You know, I want to go back to, you know, the draft cycle that you kind of talked about, you know, it sounds like from the summer, you're, you're, you're really putting together the, the, the starting to put together the pieces of the puzzle. And then during the spring, it's basically just kind of reinforcing 
what you've already, you know, and we know that there's going to be pop-ups, right? Like uh, you, there's going to be surprises. There's going to be guys that, you know, you, you put in the fourth or fifth round that push themselves into the first and then vice versa guys that you've, you know, pushed in the first and go to the fifth. But, you know, one of the things that you talked about was the interview process and some of the questions that you guys are going to be asking and to skew this temporarily just to the financial conversation, because that's what we do. Um, one of the questions and pushbacks that we hear quite a bit is, um, which is actually kind of counterintuitive because at the end of the day, baseball is a business. Professional baseball is a business. You know, so one of the pushbacks that we hear is, you know, it's it's okay for the players to wait till after the draft to hire a financial team because um, what it does is it, it signals to the teams that they really want to sign uh, and it deleverages their ability to, you know, maximize their dollars, which to me is counterintuitive because if they're hiring an agent, Right. It's signaling to the market that they're willing to sign. So what would you say to, to the player that says, hey, I need to wait to make this really important financial decision until after I've figured out if I'm going to make any money or not? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always best to, you know, to have have a plan, whether it's your baseball advisor and your financial advisor. Like, I think those things are important, you know, because uh, if you if you decide to go to school or if a player decides to go to school at a high school, you know, maybe, maybe that relationship doesn't come forward, you know, now, but maybe in three years after he goes to A&M or Ole Miss or wherever, you know, that relationship can continue. But I think it's smart for these kids to make sure that, you know, that they're, they're taking care of their future, not only, you know, on the field, but all, off the field because baseball is not forever. You know, I, um, I, you know, I can, I can speak to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can all speak, speak to that. So, uh, in fact, I always, like I said that in high, in uh, high school, I was a real big golfer. I love it still, still to this day. And, um, you know, I had a chance to go play college golf, but I was like, you know what, I'm going full baseball because I know I've got a certain amount of years and then, you know, hopefully I'll be able to play golf till I'm, you know, 80 or however long I live. So, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's important for these kids to look after and, and have people around them that are looking after their best interests for their future. You know, there's just so much information out there. Yeah. So in your, in your opinion, like you never walk in when you're sitting in the draft room and, and draft meetings and be like, well, this guy's hired a financial advisor, so he has less leverage. You don't that, that has never come out of y'all's mouth before. No, no, it's not even something that I'm worried about. Like it's, you know, like the agency stuff or, you know, if a kid has an agent or what agent it is at the end of the day, if if the kid has ability and yeah, if the kid has ability and he's he's willing to sign and you know, his, his ability fits, you know, I, I always call it if the, if the opportunity cost is, is, is right, like, let's go, you know? Yeah. So I, I want to question, and I don't want to give away too many of the Blue Jays trade sequence, uh, secrets, but one of the things that I'm always fascinated by, and that we always hear from our clients is some of the crazy questions that uh, get asked, you know, basically like personality type questions. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd be, I would love to hear one of the like questions that the, that the Blue Jays throw at these guys just to try to throw some of the players off? You know, we don't really have any like crazy, crazy questions or anything like that. Like it's, it's more about like for me, when I'm meeting with a player, it's about, 
where's your support system? Who are you going to call when you first get drafted? Like, you know, what, what are, who have been the biggest influences on your baseball career? You know, what teammates have you, you know, uh, liked the most and what about that teammate gravitated towards you? Just things like that. I want to, one, try to understand what makes this player tick and what type of environment he he is living in and what's around him. And then also I want to educate them on what professional baseball has has to offer and especially what the Blue Jays can offer him if if there's an opportunity to do that. I I, I just think these the colleges, especially in my region, you know, just speaking of Texas in general, do a really good job with, you know, academics, facilities, coaching, development, all these things. And high school players especially are are really hit with that sooner than they are professional baseball. And what I'm trying to get our scouts to do, and especially myself, is the sooner we can identify a guy with potential major league talent is to educate them, their families, so that they're comfortable making a tough decision when it comes time. Yeah. You know, I, I can only speak to my own personal career and, and it's, you know, I think it takes a very special person, you know, an 18 year old kid to be able to go straight from, you know, high school baseball and living with mom and dad to now all of a sudden you're inundated with total freedom, right? You know, as a professional, you're not, they're not babysitting you anymore. It is a business and you are responsible for going out and, and eating right and exercising and taking care of yourself. Uh, and then also, you know, now all of a sudden you you realize what that baseball becomes a business. And so, you know, you have to deal with, uh, you know, for, for many of our clients, they're, you know, 18 year old kids that all of a sudden get several million dollars. And there's this outside pressure that they have um, to, you know, maybe go out and buy a, a, a really nice Ford Raptor or something. And so, you know, it's really important that education piece. But um, what are the things, you know, one of the things that I'd like to hit on here is just the you know, the traits that you guys see in players that, you know, maybe especially out of high school, really more than anything that show, hey, this kid is ready uh, to come out of high school and go directly into pro ball or maybe the skill set, you know, say skill sets, all things equal. But what are the traits that you would see this guy's ready to go to pro ball versus, hey, he probably does need to go to college and he would benefit from that? Yeah. So, um, you know, for just the high school player in, in general, I'm looking for, you know, Baseball instincts, like does he know where where to be before the play, you know, play happens. Um, you know, for pitchers, especially like I want uh, just me personally, I like, you know, good good body to project on, you know, a chance for added strength, you know, um, more more flexibility as added strength happenings is a is a happening. You know, pitchers, I like command, the ability to spin a breaking ball. Um, you know, average to, well, now, like, everyone's throwing throwing, throwing hard. So, like, I mean, I mean, there'll be weeks where you'll see high school guys and, you know, there won't be a pitch under 90 miles an hour. And it's just like, okay, like, everyone's throwing 90, 95. So, as a scout, how am I separating those guys? And it goes back to, what I believe the frame, 
and you know the actions are and and honestly do i think he's gonna be a starting pitcher i value personally like if i think a kid's gonna has the best chance to be a starter then i'm probably gonna rank him higher over than a guy who's you know just arm strength reliever that lacks command um you know but there's makeup come it comes into it and our area guys do a do a great job of just developing relationships and you know um getting getting to know what really makes these guys tick and getting to know like their true love for the game and then on position players i personally like you know like everyone i would love to acquire middle of the field athleticism you know with ability to hit and play a premium position um however you know as you continue to do this certain guys are really good like if certain guys are really good at hitting and they have really good mechanics and their body moves really good and they're you know in the box and those are guys that I'll try to hone in on as well you know knowing that maybe with development or something like that you know they can improve like the 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 statement that if you can hit we'll find a place for you like the more and more I do this, that is true, you know, especially for an American league club. So like we have the DH and if the guy can really hit, we'll find a spot for him. But uh, you know, those are, those are certain things that, that I look for. It's not like a one size fits, fits all deal. You, you mentioned that, you know, you go out and you, you see high school players and not a pitches under 90 some weeks. And then we were all together at a tournament watching in Arlington a couple of weeks ago. And, and I was just, the velocity was, was incredible up there. You know, how has, what do you think some of those changes are, you know, cause I mean, I, I think back and I tell stories about, you know, 10 years ago or back when I was in law school and I was, you know, doing some scouting and, and the games just changed and the valuation process has just changed. But what, what has led to that in your mind where everybody's throwing so hard and these guys, do you think it's just the way we work out, the way we understand the game? Is it analytic? Like what is it in your mind that has led to this explosion in, in velocity? And do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably, um, man, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough question. Cause I think kids are training earlier to throw harder, uh, because it's cool, you know, like we talked about earlier, Instagram, Twitter, every, you know, it's, it's, there's instant gratification on the, on, on social media. So if I hit 90 or hit 99, like that's what kids want to do. So I, you know, my personal opinion, I don't think it's great, but the reason why guys are doing it is just because our transition to like better development, like guys are training harder, they're training to throw harder and, and I just think it's the, you know, the ability for either colleges or kids or these these private um, training training facilities that are are training training kids to to be better, which is fine, you know. Um, but I also think it's part of the reason why you know you're you're getting an uptick in TJ sur- surgeries at a at a younger age, and I think a lot of that's probably just due to you know wear and tear on kids throughout the year as they're 12, 13 and 14. I remember like when I was at that age, I, yeah, I played baseball, but I played golf and we played football. We played, you know, we played other things and use a lot of these kids now and, you know, are they're full fledged 
baseball by the time they're 12 or 13 and that's what they're doing. Uh, it's not always great, but you know, they're doing it. So that's fine. No, I was just going to say kind of building off of that. I mean, I, it, it really resonates with me because I, I think back through, you know, my draft cycle, you know, back in 2002 playing against the Jasper Bulldogs down there. And, um, you know, I just remember like warming up for a game and, you know, the scouts would all come down there and watch me warm up. And I thought that that was my time to showcase. And so I remember specifically one outing uh, where I'm down there and I'm probably through a hundred pitches in the bullpen and to the point where the scout finally comes up to me and he's like, Hey, uh, you might want to save some of these pitches for the game. And, and for me, it, it, it's almost similar now. Like that's my Twitter back then was being able to throw in a bullpen in front of these guys. Like I could try to go out and air it out as hard as I could. And I just, I wonder about the pressure that these guys are under now. And, you know, especially with these draft boards and the, and the Twitter and Hey, this guy hit 99 on, on Twitter yesterday. I got to hit, you know, 99.3 today because you can actually see 99.3 on the Rapsodos and the Trackmans and all that now. And so, you know, I, I, I always, if, if I was a scout, which I'm not, but I, I feel like I always value the ability to go out and compete and get guys out. Um, so what would you kind of going through that? Because here, you know, with, with us, we're trying to maximize value. We're trying to unlock your human capital, maximize value in any way possible. So what would you say to those guys, you know, that are, are maybe hung up in that pressure of, Hey, I've got to do this on Twitter. Or I've got to, do this midweek, or I've got to throw 99 in the game today. Like, how would you just say, Hey, slow down, focus on getting guys out. Like what advice would you give them to depressure the situation that they're about to go through with the draft? Uh, my advice would be to really enjoy it. Cause you're, cause you're, cause you're getting a lot of attention from, you know, different clubs and different things, but just understand that, uh, this is a game. It's supposed to be fun. And if you're prepared and you're competing, you know, on the mound or in the batter's box, if you're prepared and you're competing, then the scouts, I mean, obviously most of us are trained to, you know, to, to see good in players, someone's going to see you. And if it's your time to go out and sign, then, then that's, that's the right move for you and your family. But I think the biggest thing is, is, being being prepared, having a routine, and then you know going out there and and competing, trying to you know hit the ball hard or throw strikes or you know get that guy out and and honestly you know having a successful team for the most part and being a good teammate and all those things go into that. So. What you know, we, we had this conversation um, in a previous podcast with with some coaches, and it's come up. And, and I guess we can slant this a little bit more towards a high school because college guys, you know, they're going to go out and play. What have you seen as far as success stories? Like, hey, this guy signed and out of high school, went into professional baseball, and was successful. What what have you seen from that? And then the flip side is that you know, what what about some guys that? You know, you thought we were prepared and then then something happened. What made them not be successful, whether it's on the field, off the field? Like, what are some of those stories that you can share to, you know, help shed light on? Hey, if I do take this opportunity, I do sign. Like, what should I try? Who should I try to emulate? How should I try to do things? Yeah, so tough, tough question. But I think it all boils down to like just being prepared, working, 
taking it very ser- seriously. Like it is a job. Someone is paying you money to to uh, get to the big leagues and and be a big league con- contributor. Like our 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 job as the Blue Jays is to invest in that player, um, surround him with people, staff, you know, to to make sure that he's a contributing player for the Blue Jays. And I think where where that doesn't happen, you know, there's a few things. Talent just didn't work out, uh, injuries, and then – or maybe the kid just didn't put in the time and the effort. You know, there's a lot of – my biggest fear for, like, high school guys is that first year, right? They got drafted. They go back home. They're the big man at home and in their schools and – you know, and their communities, and they don't know that, hey, I've got to develop that routine to get ready for spring training in that first full season, which, you know, was 140, 42 games. Like, that's my biggest thing when I'm trying to make a move and acquire a high school player. I really want to be sold on, you know, his work ethic, his passion, and what I think his ability to you know, be all in on, on training in the off season, because I think that's, that's huge. You know, I, especially those first couple of years for a high school player, the amount of time uh, that they're going to be, you know, that's going to take, take them to get ready for their first full year to me is important, not only from a physical standpoint, but just a mental standpoint, because most of them are going to go out and they're immediately going to fail and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, this has never happened to me before, you know, and that's where I think teams. No, there's no. Well, well, correct. Now, and and that's the difference now, as opposed to ten years ago. You know, Baseball America knows that you took this kid in the second round, and that he's gone out and he's played bad, you know, and they're reporting about it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this club has missed." So it's tough, but what I think. I, I can only speak on the Blue Jays, but what I think we're doing, I think we're doing a really good job of is is spoon feeding some of these high school kids a little bit, getting them acclimated and and surrounding them with, you know, the guys for the physical strength part, the mental side, and and just having an open conversation with all our players about professional baseball and the and the the ups and downs of, of the sport. So I know that's something that our, our ownership group and our president of baseball ops and our GM have poured money into just making sure that we're taking care of and protecting our investment and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's funny you, you use the word investment there because it just brings the, the conversation back to the fact that this is actually a business um, so when I think about it, you know, as a former player and now as a parent, you know, one of the concerns that I would have for my son um, is that, uh, you know, I've got I'm sending out an 18 year old kid into the the big world of professional baseball. Um, and you you really want to make sure that, number one, I mean, you have to feel like he's mature enough to handle that from a parent's perspective. And nobody knows that better than a parent. But, you know, I, I saw this kind of coming up to the minor leagues myself because, you know, I was I was a prospect. I was a suspect. I was traded. I was released. I, I did it all. But I got to play with a lot of organizations and I got to see how differently these organizations cultivate their talent. 
Um, so how would you say the game has really evolved, not so much on the development side on the field, but just being able to, I mean, for lack of better words, like nurture these young kids and mold them into being able to handle the rigors of, and, you know, mentally probably more off the field, handle that rigor of just like you said earlier, going through that 142 game schedule. Like what are some of the things you guys are doing? Uh, I think we're probably managing their workload a little bit better. And then as a, as opposed to just, let's say, for example, if you're a pitcher, let's say you're throwing your flat ground or your long toss, or maybe we're coming up with, with new ideas to hone in their craft. You know, maybe it's special skilled, you know, playing catch or throwing a certain objects to make it competitive, but the workload is managed a little bit better while they're still trying to perfect their craft. And, you know, we're just, I think, you know, from the Blue Jays standpoint, we're trying to figure out other ways to make it competitive and make it skilled and, but without, you know, being on your feet all the time and just taking a bunch of reps and, you know, or having one style of coaching, you know, I, I think there's, many different ways to coach a kid and to, to, uh, to communicate with players, you know, like back in the day, we all had probably coaches that they like would yell at us, they'd get in it, you know, when for the most of, like for the most part, like I didn't have a problem with it. it, but some, some, some kids, if they're yelled at or, you know, they're told they're no good and you have to do it this way, like they don't react to that. And I think, clubs are probably doing a better job or at least I know the Blue Jays are identifying that pretty early on how this guy can react or how he needs to train or work and we're we're trying to attack that immediately to to just make sure that you know that you're exhausting all avenues to make this guy successful really well I think just the the different ways of practicing and preparing so guys stay interested in what they're doing is important. And I think, you know, you see clubs doing that, whether it's machines, like you go to a minor league pregame. Now you'll see like the machines out, whether it's like, you know, velo machines or a breaking ball machine, or maybe they're doing, you know, rag ball blocking with their catchers. So they're not getting beat up by real balls or there's, there's just different ways to hone in on your craft um, without, you know, the rigors of just the grind and the beat down because work, workload and health is important. Like I always have a saying in baseball, health is opportunity. If you can stay healthy and you're a prospect, especially a pitcher and a position player, and you have value, guess what? You're going to play in the big leagues. You know, that's my, that's my opinion, but health is opportunity especially if you can bring something to a, to a club. You see those guys who stay healthy and that can contribute to a club start servicing more and more every year just because there's value in that. And I think, you know, I know clubs are starting to, to figure out how can I keep certain guys with ability healthy, and I think it's just managing workload as much as possible. I think one of the things that you see too is that, you know, this is just taken off and it goes back to the training aspect and, and people having more information available, but you see guys investing in themselves in the off season. You see guys down to spring training, having hyperbaric chambers, 
in their apartments, having, you know, access to cryotherapy and all these things. And it, it's incredible. And that's what I think guys sometimes, you know, when you're given this opportunity is, is a draft prospect, it's like, Hey, this is a lot of money. Um, but one of the components you have to look at is I'm going to have to spend some of that money to stay healthy to your point of health is opportunity. And I think that's one thing that the guys need to understand walking into this is that money is one to set you up for life, hopefully, but really it's to get you to the big leagues. It's to give you the opportunity to go be a major league player. And, and that's one of the things, you know, we see all over baseball and, and not just baseball, but any sport is sometimes people just miss out on that opportunity and say, hey, I'm just going to go blow this money, have fun, live a great life for like six years. And then you wash out and you turn around and you say, what just happened? And, and I think that we need to, you know, make sure that guys understand you need to go back and invest in yourself you know, invest in your human capital, as we call it, and, and take those opportunities to, to maximize what you have. No, I think it's true. Like I, you know, I like high school players or just players in general that have, I would say, you know, advisors that have been there and done that. Cause there's a, there's a reason why some of these advisors have, you know, multiple big league clients is that their clients are taking care of their their business in the off season. So these high school kids that these advisors have, you know, the advisors have the connections and the, the proper resources to, Hey kid, this is where we'd like for you to go train. This is, this is something that we feel like really huge for your development. Or I know what the blue Jays have done now that we just completed our brand new player development center is that, you know, it's a place that, we can we can have players year round. So if a kid wants to take, you know, his signing bonus or whatever it is, you know, and and potentially move to Florida or stay in Florida for a certain amount of time, we have open access to our facility where he can come work work out and things like that. But you know, the the all season and reinvesting in, you know, your your work habits, your diet are huge. Like this is, you know, sleep, like all these things have, have, have shown us that they are, they are important for performance. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, I've, I've started wearing this whoop band uh, and, and not to endorse whoop by any means, but you know, it is crazy to see. And, and of course not my non-athlete at this point in my life, but it is crazy to see how much, you know, your sleep actually correlates and things like that. And so um, I mean, it, you know, it, I think it's a testament to the, the evolution of baseball, the fact that teams have started to, like you said, put in your own player development. You know, I always thought that it was crazy that we send our players home for four months and just kind of trust that they're going to go home and work out and, and hope they come back in shape. You know, uh, you know what, in what other job do you get four months off, right, to, and, and trust that you're going to come back and do a really good job? And so, um, you know, one thing I just want to hit on as we kind of close this out, you know, you talked about the agents and the relationships and some of the influences that they would have there, um, you know, and, and not to call any agent out specifically or anything like that. But, you know, as you kind of go through the evaluation process and you know that a player has, you know, agent A versus agent B or anything like that, um, how much, you know, we, we kind of hear it on our side, like, Hey, you know, they've got this agent and they can help you get drafted higher or, or whatever. Like, is there any merit to that? Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Cause if a player's good, you know, it only takes one, right. It only takes one, one club. Uh, but I do think, 
um, certain agents and certain agencies are prepared to handle certain players probably better are just players better, you know, their resources, their, you know, whether it's all season program or just, you know, maybe it's their ability to have more, uh, more contacts and player development or with teams. But I, you know, at, at the end of the day, the player needs to feel comfortable with his representation and understand that that representation works for them and, and that that relationship is good. And, and for the most part, you know, if a player is good, the major, major league baseball is going to invest in them. They're going to pay for it because good players are good. Good, good winning players are hard to find. And, and people who are doing this, you know, I have, I have friends with the Dodgers and it's, you know, I was pumped for them. Like I had some close friends over there. I was pumped for them to win the world series. Cause they've, they've done a good job of, you know, getting some good players, develop them and then winning. And then, you know, that's something that we're all striving to do is acquire good players, develop them to win a world championship, like, or else, why else are we doing it? You know? Yeah, no, I agree. Well, CJ, man, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know at AWM Capital, this is super valuable information for us to be able to get out to the draft kids. Um, you know, our, our goal, like I said earlier, is just to provide information that at the end of the day, you cannot go Google this, right? Like this is, this is gold from us, um, and we're so thankful and appreciative of the time that you spent with us here today. Uh, if you have any closing thoughts, you know we'd love you to you know get your wisdom from you know what what these kids should be thinking about for the next I guess six months now, five months until the draft. Yeah, I guess my 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 closing remarks would be enjoy it, fellows. Like this is a this is an exciting time in your life for most of you. It's your it's your senior year in high school, or you know for the other college players, it's probably your third or fourth year now. So I would say, enjoy it, you know, figure out what you can do every day to help your team win and compete. Cause I'm pretty sure if you have talent and ability, if you can just do those things, right. Like chances are you're, you're going to have a chance uh, to get drafted and, and, and play professional baseball. But uh, hope, hopefully this was informative to, you know, your, potential clients and guys that watch the podcast and stuff like that. So hopefully I was able to help. No, I appreciate it, CJ. This, this is great information because a lot of times guys just don't get to peel it back and, and have these, you know, frank conversations because they don't know the questions to ask, you know, so we really appreciate the time and, and definitely look forward to, to seeing you out and about as uh, college baseball gets back going this spring and high school baseball is in full swing. Yep. And guys, if you, if there's any questions that you have, you know, I'm, you feel free to reach out to myself or Will. I'm sure we can get those over to, to CJ if there's something specific for, for him. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer. We'll put all the contact information in the show notes. Um, and so as I close it out, I just want to end, remind everybody, stay humble, stay hungry, and always be a pro. Thanks for listening.